the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson. You gotta love him. Welcome to the Liberty Hour. I am your host, and I am not Sean Thompson. My name is Charles Love. Uh, I got a few housekeeping things to take care of, and then we'll get into this thing. want to let you know why I'm here and then who I am. As many of you know, Steve Cortez got tapped to go back to the campaign and help President Trump in his reelection bid. So Sean Thompson is now in the big chair doing the uh, drive time show Monday through Friday, five to seven. And that left the void here. So when I got a call and they asked if I would be interested in doing the show, I was like, definitely. So here I am. And here's the cool thing. Since Steve is gone and Sean is filling in for him until the election, I'm here until the election. So we're going to have some time to uh, to chat and get used to uh, things and talk about the craziness that will surely happen up to the run-up of the election, and you'll get used to me. So if you like Sean, hopefully you're listening to him five days a week. It won't make you tired of the radio and not want to listen to his old show, and you'll continue to tune in. And if you're new, I'm glad you're here, and don't go anywhere, and uh, and... Stay tuned is what I can say about that. So, again, my name is Charles Love. I am the assistant executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence and a contributing writer for City Journal. If any of you know me, it's most likely as the former co-host of Black and Right here on AM 560, The Answer. And what I want to do, the show is Liberty, and I don't want to change what they do here especially since I asked Sean for some advice and he said, don't break my show. So that's all he gave me. So I don't want to do that. So what I want to do is take his show and tie it into my delivery and what I do. And if you don't know me, um, you will get used to me over the time, but I will tell you that I am a macro guy and I'm really focused on solutions. So, I care about the country. I care about liberty. So a lot of what I say and what I talk about would tie into the, the topic and the uh, tenor of the show. But a lot of people 
have nothing but empty rhetoric. We hear this all the time. So I want to say, let's look at what the problems are. We know that they exist. Let's hash them out, come up with solutions if we can, and push back against the stuff that makes no sense. But to have a solution, first you need to know what the problem is. So to start off the show, I think I'm really going to hit on something that's right in Sean's wheelhouse. But I don't want you to think before we get into that, that everything here is different and new. It's not that much change. Macbeth is still here. Yeah, and What's still up, fat. <laughs> and, and still fat. That's Who right. knew? And you brought snacks. I, I, I always have snacks. Maybe that's yeah, why I, you're still fat. I, I was almost an Eagle Scout. I come prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're intending to stay on topic and uh, address the issues in a, in a succinct manner, then this is going to be a completely different show than I do. <laughs> well, I'm, well I, I think the biggest difference is going to be the lack of yelling, but I'll get to that later. Maybe somebody will get me to yell at him. No cats either. But liberty. So we talk about losing our freedoms or our rights. But my question, when I say talk about solutions and what's the root of the problem, are we really losing them or are we giving them up? So I wrote an article about, yeah, I guess it had to be three years because it was right after Trump became president. And we know that the fervor started at the beginning and people were talking about him hoarding power and doing things he shouldn't do. And I just looked at it and said, well, why, why are you mad at him? You should be mad at the, the American people. If, if you're one of the young people, you should be mad at, you know, my generation and we should be mad at the generation before us. Because what happens and it was slow, but it's been accelerating a lot in the last 20, 30 years. But what we found is people got so partisan that they wanted what they wanted. So if the man in office was pushing for something that may or may not have been constitutional, we didn't care because we wanted it. If the president signs an executive order and just, you know, circumvents the proper channels, we don't care. The people who liked Obama celebrated the pen and the phone because they liked what he was doing. I mean, granted, you know, they liked him. It's a party thing. But if they didn't like what he was doing, then they'd say, hey, you can't do that. The problem that I see is when you do that, common sense and logic says no one in power wants to just give it up. So what you get is a president that you were okay with, that you liked, that you gave this power. They set a precedent. So then the next president had that power and he layers more power on that, you know, And it's not new. I talk about it in the last 20 or 30 years because, you know, that's what I remember. But Teddy Roosevelt did it. FDR did it. You know, it's just kept piling on. It's just like we started the country with a few cabinet. And now we have, uh, I don't know, what is it, 162 cabinets now? I don't know how many secretaries we have. But it just keeps growing. And we gave up that power. We could have easily pushed back against that. We could have sent people to Congress who would have pushed back against it. We could have not reelected all those presidents, but we did. So that's part of the reason why we're here. But we can't hang it all on the executive. Let's look at Congress. They're supposed to be the people closest to us, the ones that we can see, feel, and touch, the ones that are speaking for us. And 
not just that they just go to D.C. and play along party lines, which is true. We complain about that. We complain about them uh, not paying attention to the people when they're in office for too many cycles and a lot of other things. But how many people complain about this? So you send them there to represent you. So technically you are giving them the power, unlike the argument I had for the executive. But you're giving them the power to sit in a room with other congressmen, hash this out and come up with a plan. And what they do is they see their power to administrators, unelected bureaucrats who get to make all the decisions. So now you have these ultra powerful people that you can't name and they're making the decisions about what happens in your life. One example is you look at Obamacare when that came out and, you know, some people in Congress didn't read it, but they passed it and. It was thousands of pages, so it was intended for you not to read. But I thumbed through it, you know. And while everybody else was saying, you can't do this or this part's wrong, and they were picking apart the legality of it, one thing stuck out to me, you know, just a layman. No attorney, no, you know, wise man. It's just got a little common sense. And I'm flipping through and I'm, man, this thing says the secretary a lot of times. The secretary can. The secretary shall. The secretary will. It's like this secretary, whoever this person is, has a lot of power. And I wonder how many people do you think could name HHS secretary at the time? I would say less than one tenth of one percent of the population. But here she is with a lot of power. So what I want to do is look at those issues in that refrain, look at it from that respect. Look at it and say, how did we get here? Because that's the only way you're going to come up with solutions. And a lot of it isn't the politicians. We spend too much time using the name, and you will hear it very little from me. You know, Trump, Obama, this elected official, that elected official. Obviously, it comes up in the news, and we will discuss it when we need to. But only as a point of reference. The bigger problem in this country is the culture. It's what we do. It's what powers we give up. It's the immoral actions that we have. It's the thing that things that people do that are wrong that we let slide. So I want to call that to task. And I got a couple of examples from the news in the last couple of days that speak to how we allow this stuff to happen. It doesn't make sense. We either ignore it or we condone it. Or we just abdicate our responsibility and say our elected officials know best, which is laughable because we know that's not true. So, and then I want to hear from you. I mean, if I'm going to take over the Liberty Hour, I need to know what you think liberty is. So, in the next segment, we're going to talk about those examples, specific examples of the problem. And then I'll take your calls and have you tell me what you think liberty is. Is it being eroded and how we can fix it? 312-642-5600. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM 560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. 
Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. How do we get rid of that guy? They can't. I can't do, deal with 14 weeks of here, Sean Thompson. It's so unnerving. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Uh, when I left, I was talking about a couple examples I had of how we just give up, don't push back, everything's okay. And um, later on, we look up and we say, what has happened to our country? And I also want to hear from you. Like I said, I want to know, do you think that we are losing our liberties? If you don't, then I would love to hear you move to the front of the line. I want to know if you don't think we're losing our liberties, how exactly do you describe what is going on in the country today? And if you do think we're losing our liberties, what is the solution? What do we do? I have a couple ideas, of course, but I want to hear yours. 312-642-5600. So I left talking about a couple examples I was going to go into. And one is the people kind of, uh, of, even though it's still the government, being okay, kind of asking for it. So they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, but you're asking for it, but you can't, you know, some of us blame them, but where is this coming from? And the other is obviously the government. So here is, again, a question, who's allowed to vote legally in national elections? I know that um, in some municipalities around the country, they're allowing people who are here illegal to vote or um, certain people who not shouldn't be allowed to vote. But, you know, municipalities allowing them to vote in their municipal elections. But I'm talking national elections and the election for president. The criteria should be and is, I mean, not should be, it is, but what are they going to do, is a U.S. citizen. Someone call up and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the case. You must be a U.S. citizen to vote in the presidential election. If that's the case, why am I looking here at uh, a vote by mail in 2020 um, letter that said, did you know? It's fancy, it's nice and professional looking. You may request to receive your ballot in one of 18 languages. You get that? You can vote in 18 different languages. Now, one of the problems we have today is, we have so many, is that everything is racist and everything is unfair and everything hurts my feelings. And why? So, so a lot of people's reaction will be, well, why do you care? What's the big deal? Um, you know, why you got to be mean? What do you have against the other? You're a xenophobic. Again, I'm all just about logic. I just got questions here. So help me out. We all agree that you have to be a U.S. citizen in order to vote. So, can, can we also agree on one more thing that every person born legal in this country can speak English? I think we can, you know, for the most part, say that's the case, right? There are some immigrants who have where English is their second language and they struggle with it. That's true. But remember, we said only U.S. citizens can vote. So I have a question to this bureaucrat in this agency who sent out this fancy flyer where you can get your fancy ballot in 18 languages. And that is simply, oh, Mr. Administrator, who I didn't elect, how many languages can I take the U.S. citizenship test in? 
I'm raising my hand. Anybody out there? Hands up. Anybody know the answer? Because it's one, English. So that's why it matters. Because it's patronizing and it's silly. Because every U.S. citizen can speak enough English to pass a constitutional test to become a U.S. citizen. And, and let's be real. If we really think about it, the only thing it says is president, you know, whatever senator, whatever office, and a name next to a box. You could not speak English and still figure out Bernie Sanders. Yeah, the names aren't going to be spelled any different. <laughs> right. right. They're not going to say... Might have an accent. Right. Be, yeah. da, 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 and then say... What does that mean? Oh, that translates to Donald Trump. Come on. Well, now, how many languages is the campaigning occur, uh, the campaign occurring in? Right, the, the campaign is occurring in nineteen languages. Correct. Probably, probably yeah. one hundred and four. Trump's, Trump's doing twenty languages at each event. So is Biden. Oh wait, no, Biden's not doing. <laughs> He's not doing any languages. <laughs> I mean, it's just why would you need? Right, uh, but 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 am I? But tell me it's if not my that point there's is so wrong, much though. a problem with it. It's just that why 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 is this exactly why is this necessary? It, it, it's patronizing. It's what it is. It's it's making it's to make the hold on. I got to squ- squint so I can see it. It can make the person who speaks Farsi say, you know, I feel I feel like they want me to vote. I mean, yeah. Do you know who Donald Trump is? Yeah. Do you know Biden? Yeah, I can read Donald Trump and Biden. I'm not an idiot, but it's just cool that they're gonna send it to me and I can say Biden and Farsi. That's just cool. But it's just another step down the road. Are of, we novelty voting now? <laughs> yeah, it's another step down the road of, well, whatever makes you feel good, right? That's what, that's what this is. So people, you know, the people say, well, why are you doing it? We'll say stuff. And everybody else say, there they go. Those crazy right-wingers complaining about everything. What do you want? You want a national language? Well, I'm not the one that said you have to take the Constitution test in English. Don't get mad at me. So, you know, you all have to forgive me. This is my, my first time. That screen is way over there. Can I call up Jim from Elgin? Or are you going to uh, bring that up for me? Look at that. That's magic. It's like I felt like I just threw my hand out there and it came up. What's up, Jim? How you doing? Well, like they say, better living through electronics. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You should see how far away this touch screen is for me. <laughs> the, the, the power of the button. Anyways, um... It's good to you know, hear your voice on the show. You're going to be a nice villain for Sean. A lot of people like you, so you know it'll be, it'll be great. And uh, you know you'll, you'll build into the position. So be confident, be strong, and enjoy yourself. Anyways, I wanted to uh, mention a couple of things. Um, I saw a blurb today. I posted it where the mayor, the uh, uh, police chief of Minnesota, of Minneapolis, is basically telling people if the robbers tell you to, if they, if you get held up by a burglar or whatever, you have to, you have to listen to them. For your safety, listen to the burglars. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Oh, well, uh, I don't know if you saw my recent article about defunding the police. I'm going to talk about that in another segment. And I'm going to pull a couple quotes for it, from it, which talk about what uh, happened in Minneapolis and what some people said. And this interesting neighborhood, if you haven't read it, uh, that is coming up. But, yeah, uh, I appreciate the vote of confidence, too, by the way. Yeah, and, and plus, you know, uh, there's all these... Uh, races. There was one in, in New Jersey. There was a Senate race in New York. All this mail by mail-in voting thing is just a, just it's just a disaster. And even the postal workers, who are big union people, are saying we can't handle this. This is going to be a disaster. Well, thanks, Jim. And all these people say, "Oh, you want to divide, you want to separate people from voting because they can't mail in." <laughs> right. Well, keep listening. Tell others to listen. I appreciate you being here for me, yes, and uh, you have a good one. I want to go to Lewis on the South Side. He's going to explain to me why. Ballots are in multiple languages. Welcome to the Liberty Hour. 
Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Love. Okay, uh, you have to remember, we don't have an official language. And that, we don't. Uh, when, no, I think I said don't. that. I know, I think I said that. Right. Go to the tape, so, go to the tape. <laughs> okay, and so when they are uh, asking you, do you want it in another language, that's just for like convenience right there, that's all. Right, I, I, I get that, and we know that, and, and I just, you know, I appreciate that, but you also have to be fair. Because we we both we said both of those items too, so right. So, but the only people who can vote are people who are U.S. citizens, and if English is their fourteenth language, they still became citizens by taking a whole test in English. If you right. can take a test in English, you can check a box that says Bernie next to it. Right. That's all but I'm the- saying. And, and and the point is. It's not because they can't take the, take the, you know, thank you, Lewis. But the point is, thank you. they're not doing it. You're right. They're doing it for convenience, a hundred percent, but they're not doing it for convenience because they think that people won't be able to vote or it's going to discourage people to vote. They are doing it, like I said, to make them feel good because it's patronizing and it's going to make people say, well, they care about that. It's warm and fuzzy. And I bet this came from a Democrat. So that's who I'm going to vote for. I mean, there's no way they're doing that because the person can't figure out the ballot. That's pandering. Right? Because now I'm looking at it. I have to uh, tweet this out because other than the check boxes, you'll love this because you can't see it. Other than the check boxes that have the language in English and then in their native tongue next to it, it's just everything on it is in English. <laughs> <laughs> so how about that? I'm going to tell you in English when you can't speak English that it says, please send me a ballot in my language. And then you check the language. Well, if I can read, please send me a ballot in this language, then I can probably l- read Bernie Sanders. Yeah, it's like having to click on something to install your mouse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow, these segments. Of, are you playing music in my ear again? And this yes, is a hard break. I can't go. even keep going. Nope. Well, stick with us on the Liberty Hour. Come by, coming up, I'm going to talk about that article that I mentioned to Jim about defunding the police. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. Now, back to the Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. Don't call Sean. Oh, man, he dropped. I wanted to start with the, with the, with, the, with him, but he's gone. So I guess we go to Nick on the northwest side. Nick, welcome to the Liberty Hour. I hope you're not expecting me to reach over there and touch that. It's too far. <laughs> you're going to have to run with it. Oh, man. It's clicking, but I don't hear him. Oh, well. Here we go. Okay. We are on What's now. up, Nick? <laughs> What's oh, going man, on, Nick? Man, we got it together now. We yes, got we did. Don't assume. Technology, yeah. Okay. Then it uh, gets I dropped. I that I got... Yeah. Uh, hello? <laughs> go ahead. Am I still there? You are. Okay. I got my uh, Sonia screener. I got my uh, information recently in a mail, which is standard procedure, about uh, your little card that updates uh, you know, your information. If it's the same as before mm-hmm. and you know it's all correct, that, that you uh, that's what you will keep as your uh, card that you bring with you, even though they normally don't even ask you for anything except your signature. But, you know, it's obvious, you know, it says here it makes sense that it's because of this coronavirus, the COVID-19 thing, you know, uh, that uh, they sent this. But I've never asked for anything to be sent to me by mail ever in my life. I've never voted by mail ever in my life. Now, all of a sudden, this is this big, gigantic push you know, to vote by mail. And to me, it's obvious that the 
liberal, progressive, and left wing, especially of the Democratic Party. They would love to have a whole bunch of papers laying around in big piles and brought in, you know, more and more to look through it. It says, you know, like Trump, okay, oh, look, there's something wrong here. Well, this is not a valid uh, vote. Throw it in a pile to the site. It's going to be something like Putin's elections, you know. Uh, it's not whether or not Putin will win. It's a matter of by how many votes you'll win, who, because the people counting his votes, that's what matters, not the people who voted. So that's basically it. Yep, I, I appreciate that. You know, Nick, yep. David, jo, uh, jo, Joanna, what is it? Oh, it's so, I'm telling you the screen is far away. Joanne, uh, appreciate you all listening. Don't go anywhere. We can talk about that if you want to stick around. David's kind of splitting the, splitting the baby. He's got a couple topics there. But I want to, fi- I can't finish the topic if you, this is turning into the mailing hour. We weren't talking about mailing yet. That's a second, separate oh. segment, you know. Welcome but, to the Liberty Hour, Cheryl. <laughs> right. But I'm going to <laughs> Thanks a lot. But no, You're wait welcome. a minute. Just, just uh, Nick, I appreciate you. You told me about yep. your uh, voter, voter inaccuracies and things of that nature, and I appreciate that. But but I got more calls behind you that also want to talk about okay. Maryland. We're going to hold right. off on that. But thanks. Thanks for calling. Um, we, um, But I, I'm saying to you, David and Joanne, wait if you'd like to, and I would love to get to that. But I was talking before the break about... Other examples. So I talked about people and the voting thing, and you think I'm attacking the immigrants because they can't check a box to say Bernie Sanders. Somebody's probably wondering why I keep saying Bernie Sanders. Anyway, <laughs> the um, there's another story that uh, goes the other way. So it's not like I'm not attacking uh, both sides and the actual uh, people in office and the people that they have running things. Those administrators. It says the DHS official whose office compiled intelligence reports on journalists and protesters has been removed from its job. So a couple of journalists, I guess, kind of leaked some information about DHS. So uh, Brian Murphy, the acting undersecretary of intelligence and analysis, decided to get some payback. And so he started to screen them and, you know, take their information, listening to their calls and that kind of thing. Um, and then a separate report said he did the same thing to some protesters. Um, so there's some interesting things in this little story. Like one, I love it how only in um, the public sector does that happen and you don't get fired. See, the headline says he was removed. The article says he was sent to another assignment. Right. That's one key. And then with all this information out there, it's the government oversight and surveillance um, possibilities and capabilities and whether they should be using those to spy on Americans. Remember that? So I have no problem with, this is actually uh, an article from the Washington Post, with the Washington Post calling them out and doing the report. All we want is consistency, right? Do they do the same thing um, when someone else is in power? I know Republicans, I remember, were screaming bloody murder about Obama doing that. Eventually, some others started to pick up articles. But in the beginning, they did not. And that was widespread. They were spying on everybody. But back to the selective, you know, outrage. Uh, And then as far as the protesters, I got a problem with that, too, even though I think the protests are ill-advised and the protesters have no idea what they're talking about and they have no demands and they're quite stupid. We still don't get to spy on them because they're protesting. Now, if they're the rioters, that's not a protester. So, I mean, the article didn't give us enough information to know which group they're talking about. 
But there's issues here with the government just deciding we're going to, you know, take our anger out on you or, or pay you back for or certain things that you did as a journalist or to just go after protesters because we don't like those protesters. Because, I mean, you, you, you can't have a free country when the government is has so much oversight of, of you and nobody's watching what they do. So that's something to look out for regardless of who's in charge. But this proves that you can lose your liberty even when your people are in charge. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312 312- Six four two fifty six hundred. I'm going to have to find a way to morph that. So they get on the line with Sean Charles, and I just yell Charles every time they say that. I promise. I we can just get do into a, a really messy job of We're, dubbing over it. Right. Get on the line with Charles. <laughs> there was a uh, when I was when I was in high school. I worked at a fish market, and uh, we decided we were going to take movies and put them on cassette tape. So we made a bunch of movies and. We decided we'd have uh, sort of an unofficial, com- you know, competition of who could make the dirtiest movie and make it work friendly. And so I, I brought uh, Blazing Saddles in, and uh, I replaced a certain word with workers every single time. But it was what just word did you replace? Workers. Well, no. What the word did you replace? The N word. What word? The N word. What word? I, Charles. <laughs> Do you want me to be your Darn producer it. here? Darn it. I or do. would you like it to be someone else spontaneously? No, I would like it to be you. But yeah, so there was about 62 <laughs> of me just flatly saying workers. I mean, it was just one one single copy of that, and that in its own. Was so everybody, comedy. next week, we're going to cue that up. No, Every not. time it says, Sean, it's going to say, I no. mean, worker. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to say my grandmother was Dutch. Every time it says Sean. So... Um, <laughs> I mentioned earlier that I am fortunate enough to be a contributing writer at City Journal. And I had this piece that came out on Friday. Does anyone really want to defund the police? Should you be quoting your own stuff? I don't know. Nobody gave me any rules. I don't know. I like this Charles guy. What do you want me to do? Your your ego can't be larger than Sean's. (laughs) Just go for it. Okay. So in this piece, this journalist talks about how everybody's you know in the noise in, in the media we hear defund the police defund the police many people don't know what it means and nobody really wants it and there was a poll that said two-thirds of the people they polled said they didn't want it 60 percent said not just do not touch the budget but at the same time it said 57 percent of blacks said they want they, they supported it like i don't know any black people that support that who are the black people they found it must be the black people at the black lives matter rally who are really white people I mean, maybe those black people said it, but nobody I know. Um, But it's really happening. I mean, Minneapolis was talking about, well, we'll do you one better and just abolish. Right. And L.A., uh, New York, a billion dollars here or there. But in Seattle is the most recent one. And they're talking about taking 50 percent of the budget away. And I was listening to don't know why NPR and they had Seattle's police chief on and play us that clip of what she said about uh, taking her budget. And I am trying to do that. The city council in Seattle has indicated it would support a 50% cut, 5-0, to your budget. What is your reaction? What would be the impact on your force? 
Well, I think that the impact would be absolutely detrimental, not only for the police department, but uh, for the community that we serve. Uh, at this point, uh, we are working really hard to make sure that we can maintain adequate levels of staffing and adequate levels of service and um, cutting, uh, just lopping off 50% of our officers, uh, at the, I would think at this time would be a reckless um, maneuver. And I'm hoping that... Um, people will you know, calm down and look at ways that we can have a real plan in place of how we might transfer some of the responsibilities and services to other areas. But it can't just be done overnight. It's not clear, though, that this would necessarily mean lopping off, to use your word, 50% of your officers. I mean, one of the ideas in play is try shifting money from your department and spending it on Tony alternatives Preckwinkle? to the current system. So it take, does sound like with that. homelessness uh, out of the hands of police and, and send it whisperer. to uh, other community <laughs> services that could handle it perhaps better. I mean, why not try that? All right. I want to turn to the protest. Here, here we go. So she said, nobody's saying that they want to take 50% of your employees. They want to take 50% of your budget. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, everybody, sit back. I don't care about your politics. I care about logic and reality. I call these people, you're going to hear this term a lot, surface thinkers, because they think they're smart. They come up with an idea. They read a headline, and they don't dig. They're surface thinkers. So help me walk you through. Let me walk you through this. So you're going to tell me, so the police chief says, look, you're going to take half my budget. What am I going to do without these officers? But nobody said anything about taking your officers. We just said that maybe, you know, we can just take half of your budget and, you know, take responsibility from, you know, like the homeless in what city. And also we'd like you to double training. Right. But in what city is dealing with the homeless 50% of a budget? That makes no, I, the fact that she even asked that question was crazy, but you, you didn't play it. But the weird thing is the chief was like, yeah, maybe you could do that. I mean, it's, it's out of, they're out of their mind. But this, the fun thing, I said I was going to read a clip from it. Uh, I mean, a little bit about what happened in Minneapolis, it is, right? So there's a neighborhood, Powderhorn Park, where the community got together and his residents just decided that we're not going to call law enforcement, law enforcement into our community. We're just not going to do it. And we'll just roll with it. Bam. Overnight, the neighborhood's flooded with hundreds of homeless. There's like a tent city right across the street. People are talking, meeting in backyards, crying about how they're afraid to go through the park. And then they just saw somebody OD on the on the corner. But the best part is a guy, he said that uh, he broke down and called the police because he got robbed at gunpoint by a couple kids that looked like they were 15. And he called the police. But later, though, in a text message, he wrote. I regret calling the police. It was my instinct, but I wish I hadn't done it. Um, I put those boys in danger of death by calling the police. You're an idiot. Well, I'm not. I mean, yeah, I get you. See, this is where we're going. People have a, a stronger emotional connection and they're so focused on feel good. This, you know, racial patronizing that they're just like, if I got to get robbed, it's okay because at least I'm not a racist because I didn't call the cops on the black guy. And if I do, I feel so bad. Like, oh, no, back to blazing status. That's a sure way to get him killed. You know this being a homeboy yourself. (laughs) You found your clips. Macbeth is back. Don't tell me this isn't the Liberty Hour. He's back. We're going to be on it. We're going to come back and I'm going to finish talking about defund the police and maybe take a couple of these uh, mail-in voting calls because they're, they're holding steady. It's like, I want to talk about this. So we can do that. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson on AM 560, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. How did I do with that overdub? Uh, you were not. No. Oh, yeah. darn. He did, you did have the timing perfect for everybody who was listening but couldn't hear. Which is oh, well, that, as long as you understood, I hit it on. That's all that yeah, matters. He's a Charles Love. When they yeah, were Charles to say, Love. Uh, well, welcome back. Um, we were talking about defunding police, and I promised that I would get to uh, a call about that and the mail-in voting. So... Uh, am I doing this or you? Because it's a long stretch. I need to know in advance. You got me on. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I can do both a uh, mail-in voting <laughs> and, and the defund. How uh, about defund? Uh, How about we pick defund? Defund? Okay. Um, a friend of mine from college, um, I, he was he was a liberal Democrat back in college, and he's kind of on the fence now because all the crazy stuff going on. Um, but, but I asked him uh, a few months ago, at one time, he had a, his front door lock broke, and I said, uh, I said, I said to him a few weeks ago, I said, uh, "What what you need to do is um, is uh, get rid of that lock on your door, and, and and never buy a lock again. In fact, nobody should buy locks again because that one failed there, and so we need to defund the locks because that one failed right there. So, and and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Well, obviously, it's not working. We must not put money into something that's not working." Thank you, Dave. So, but the, but the lock is different from the police. You need more locks because you don't want to have any police, right? Not to mention that you're uh, going to have vigilanteism. You're going to have people taking matters into their own hands. You're going to have people like the woman I talk about in the article uh, who got who yeah. the, the, the the borough president in Brooklyn told her that you know you don't call the police, deal with it yourself, and she got shot and killed. So you know, right. like, maybe that's the, right. maybe that's going to be their new uh, slogan. Thank you, David. Their, their, their new slogan okay. is going to be is going to be locks not cops. Huh? You like? How about what, what do you think about that, Macbeth? Locks not cops. No? Uh, it has a ring to it, and like most things that have a ring to it, it's probably worthless. Right, probably completely stupid. Yes, sir. Um, uh, let's go to Joanne <laughs> in Midway. Welcome to the show. Hi. I would just, you know, I'm very much concerned about voter fraud and this mail voting. This is my problem. My son got an application for uh, vote by mail. He got that on July 22nd. My husband got his on July 24th. And believe it or not, today, Sunday, I got mine, August 2nd. Now, isn't that ridiculous? So all of us... Well, it'd be state, more ridiculous if when you got yours, it said, don't bother to vote because your son, your son already voted for it. You got three. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, is that how can I trust this? We oh, you can't. I mean, you can't. And anybody who can, so anybody who trusts it is, is, is a fool. And it's not about, you know, the COVID thing I, I, and or whatever else. It's not even though they're doing it because they know that they can manipulate the votes. But let's just be real. I don't even care. This goes back to the liberty thing. It's not about your guy winning. Is it OK for some mailman to put a bag of of mail in his attic, you know, which happened in Chicago a few years ago. It wasn't for an election. It just didn't feel like delivering mail. So is that okay? Is it that, is that, a, I mean, we got Republicans though. It's like, I just, was it Marco Rubio who tweeted out like, oh, we are totally fine. There's no issues with the integrity of our election. It is if three, if, if everybody, if 200 million people are mailing them in, first of all, you're never going to get those mail, those votes counted until June. So who's president from January 20th to June? Because it ain't Trump, and it ain't Biden. So who's president? Guess well, it depends. I guess it depends on who wins the House. One way or the other. 
Yeah, so we're in trouble. People need to um, wake up and, and learn and read and push back against that. This has been fun. It's been an hour already. Yeah, you, second hour coming up. I think you hit the nail on the head with the house. It, it really just comes down to who's controlling the house. Yep, it is true. So they're gonna. that's the funny thing. They're going to seat the new people, and uh, they're going to say, well, we decide it's Hillary. It could be anybody, Michelle, Macbeth, whoever no, they you, want. You don't want that. I mean, they may want it, though. I don't know. They may want it. So uh, coming up on the next hour, we're going to talk about where I've been and tie that into what's going on in the nation and in Chicago. And uh, it should be fun. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. But wait, there's more. Now, back to the Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love sitting in for a long, long ride for Sean Thompson. Sean's got some cool music, at least. I like some of the good, the good 80s stuff. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's getting a little tired. Might yeah, because you hear it all the time. Maybe next week I'll like, turn that off and give me some, uh, you know, Flavor Flav or something. I don't know. Some BDP. No? Can't do that? I uh, could. You could. I might choose so, not to. So you'll like, uh, you know, I got a lot of... <laughs> You know, really loyal friends that I love that uh, listen to the show. They read everything I write and they watch the, the, the clips on TV, but they don't really like to call in. So, of course, they text me as if I'm not on the radio now. And so one of them just called, just texted me and wanted to check on the workers. So he wanted to know how the workers were doing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The workers are all right. So I, he, he'll be happy to know that. So I mentioned at the top of the first hour when I was explaining to Sean's Listeners, I hope you all are still out there. I hope I didn't. Can you count them and see if they're still out there? If I didn't lose any of them, uh, start doing a head count. But I uh, lost two fingers in chop class. I wow! No now, now, Sean, that was that was Macbeth, not me. Um, <laughs> I mentioned that I used to be the co-host of Black and Right here on AM five sixty with John Anthony, and so some of you who do know uh, the the one or two may be wondering what happened. So I moved to New York. So, Macbeth and I aren't in the same studio right now. No, we're not in the same city. Yeah. On the despotic sliding scale, uh, New York is a sidestep from Illinois. Maybe we're in the same studio, but not the same city. Ooh. Yeah, see? That's very metaphysical. (laughs) So, you know... And and it's funny because we moved at a weird time. So we came here. My wife got a job here. Her uh, her family's from here. We came back here. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not, I never wanted to uh, live in New York. I'm like, they don't have alleys. But, you know, we'll see what it's like. And, you know, I'll I'll try to make the most of it. I'll check it out. I'll see what it's like. The lights and the glitz and glamour and 24 hours and uh, COVID. And then COVID. So basically, I've been in Chicago without being in Chicago because everybody I know is in Chicago. Everyone I talk to is in Chicago. I communicate still with the people in Chicago and I can't leave the house. So I'm virtually. You just pretend you're in Chicago. In Chicago. But the only difference is when I turn the news on, I get New York news. So so I was thinking that, you know, now I'm coming back on the radio in Chicago when I'm living in Chicago via New York, seeing New York news. So I wanted to kind of talk to somebody who's there and bring on some of my people to tell me what's happening in New York, even though I mean, in Chicago, even though it, it makes the national news, the bad stuff. But they can give me a little better breakdown of uh, what's going on and uh, what's happening and that kind of thing. And, and and I thought maybe they can do that and I can compare that to what I see and what's happening here. So that's what I want to do now. I want to bring in uh, someone who 
I look to to talk about uh, what's going on in Chicago and how it's affecting the people. He um, ran for Congress twice and uh, is a frequent guest on many radio and TV shows. And my favorite part is you have to follow him on Facebook because he tells these wonderful long stories and gives a um, breakdown of what's happening in the city. And his label is the confessions of a frustrated Democrat. So I'd like to welcome to the Liberty Hour, Patrick Brutus. Welcome to the show. Hey, Charles. How's it going? Things are good. I'm having fun. Uh, Things are good. I mean, uh, Macbeth is messing everything up. Sean's going to kill me for breaking the show. (laughs) I'm just doing what I always do. (laughs) Other than that, everything's great, man. You're you're getting you're getting hazed. You're getting hazed. I think that's what it is, right? You have to say, "I got to take a picture before I leave and tweet out how far away this touchscreen is." It's literally, do you want to be on the radio or do you want to test the screen? Pick one because you can't do both. But uh, no, it's it's cool. (laughs) It's cool, and uh, I wanted to talk to you because, uh, like I said, he's Patrick Brutus. On Facebook, you have to go there and look at it, and he just breaks down very methodically. He he understands municipal government and knows it well, and he just kind of like me. He's just like, look, what's the solution? So you want to do that. It sounds good. People are celebrating you. Will it work? And that's what I like. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to talk yeah. to him about what's going on and kind of compare that to what I see. I can't say no in New York because, you know, so far away from me. But so what would you say the top two uh, issues that are uh, in the news are in the uh, that the voice of the people are talking about in Chicago right now. Well, they're talking about a lot of stuff, Charles. And uh, for, but first, let me say congratulations to you for getting this uh, spot and opportunity to, you know, really um, address the worldwide audience that listens in on Sunday at seven to nine during the Liberty Hour. And that's a great opportunity. And I'm I'm happy for you. And I know that. You put a lot of hard work in here to get into this situation. So I wish you luck with the show. This is going to be a great opportunity for all of us who listen to you and follow you closely to hear your news and views. Thank so, you. Uh, but yeah, but you know, back to Chicago, I think the what people are really more concerned about, especially lately during the aftermath of the George Floyd killing and the subsequent looting riots and rallies and the defund the police movement, uh, what you guys talked about in the first hour is the crime and violence um, situation. And, um, you know, we're, we're just really in a wild, wild west situation right now. And, and every single weekend since, you know, at least June, Memorial Day, you know, that's about nine or ten weeks now, we've had huge body count numbers where the shootings and the deaths have been seriously off the charts. You know, there's a statistic going on right now that they're reporting that Chicago has, um, over last July, jumped 139%. That is just really ridiculous. And so but New, New York can do July, you better. At one point, New York was 350. 350% increase. Wow, 350% increase. You know, we've had 105 murders in the month of July so far, or, you know, already it's August 2nd today. And that's, that is just, you know, we're living in a really violent city right now, and you know, there's a number of different factors for that, but certainly crime is is a uh, number one issue that we're really focused on right now. Well, well let me ask you this question. Uh, you, 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 you know, Chicago and all these shootings. So what is different? Because the numbers are high, but we can't say that 
that hasn't been happening in Chicago, right? You got an increase, but you, you had, I mean, what was the summers like last year and the year before that? You still had a, a considerably high number of shootings as compared to the rest of the country. So right. everybody's and, and up, and like, you're right, Chicago's up and everybody's up. So yeah. why do you think, what, what do people uh, think the reason is for the increase? So I don't know why we're increasing because technically we're supposed to be locked in. You know, we're supposed to be sheltering in and we're not supposed to be out here running around and shooting people. Um, but I think it's really more or less um, the depravity of society, the frustrations continue to mount due to, you know, um, a lack of economic and, uh, development opportunities, job creation opportunities are, are really nanoset. Uh, and you're looking at those issues. You're looking at a lot of um, activism going on with combine that with lawlessness at the same time. And you're talking about, you know, we have a new uh, mayor, there's a new police chief. So there's a, there's a whole number of different factors that I think are contributing to what we're seeing, especially in this last three month period. I mean, you could blame COVID, you could blame a lot of different things, but and they have. you're right, Chicago continues to be a shoot 'em up city. And, you know, we're just in the midst of another shooting spree in a Chicago summer. So who do you think uh, the average person, not the politically involved people uh, who are trying to make excuses, but who do people blame? I, I think certainly people are blaming a lot of different people. If you could talk to the left, they will tell you it's Trump's fault. If you talk to people in the center or the right, they might say it's local, right? And they may be blaming the CEO of the municipal corporation known as Chicago, um, and so, you know, there's a number of different arrows being pointed all over the place, but certainly it's being, uh, directed at the leaders who determine policy. And so, uh, when you, when you factor that in, people are not taking responsibility. There isn't a level of accountability in these neighborhoods. And so I think, you know, if you talk to the community leaders, they certainly are also very upset about the situation and they're looking for answers. But Charles, as you know, as you all know, and your listeners who follow you closely, they all know, too, that typically the 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 knee-jerk responses are jobs, contracts, and opportunities, right? Those are the things that people say are the most important solutions to this problem, and I'm not sure that is. Well, I, I'm glad you left it there. That was like perfect time. You're like a pro. I'm going to hold you over for the next segment. But what I want to say is you, 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 you teed it up for me because I often say people who listen to me and read me know that I say that – I'm about solutions and all that stuff that makes you feel good. And, that, and, and, and Sean says this, too. I'm not trying to tell you what you want to hear. And, the, and mm-hmm. none of that stuff is the, is the answer. So if you want to get to the root of the problem and, and fix it, you need to be real. And it's not any of those things. It's not the politician's fault. You know, they could make things better. And we can talk about that on the other side. But it's not their fault. They're not causing people to shoot. It's, and, and all these other things that they talk about. Right. Don't won't really help it either. And and we'll get into those those things you mentioned and and kind of explain why they're not the solution to the problem and what we why we need to look at different things. And and the problem is deeper. Stick with us. And you're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560. The answer. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say let them crash. This is the Liberty Hour. 
Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM 560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the day Hey, you're not Sean Thompson. I am not. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I am your host, Charles Love. And I'm talking with Patrick Brutus, talking about Chicago, what's going on in Chicago. He is the uh, frustrated Democrat on Facebook. Go check him out, Patrick Brutus. (laughs) That is uh, cool. I I love that. that I appreciate that plug. I love it. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's some really wise stuff. Uh, some solutions, but, you know, you don't have all the answers, of course, but a lot of it is, you know, taking apart what you see in the media and saying, does it yeah, really mean, yeah. he's, he's like the media whisperer, you know, he says, does it really mean what it says, <laughs> right? It's, 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 you know, it's great think, stuff. Right, and I think the, the most important thing that we can do as citizens, right, is use our voice, and whatever voice you have, Twitter, you know, radio show, Facebook, or if you have a real live audience, I think the most important thing we can do is ask questions. Ask questions get us to discovery of, you know, problems, situations, and certainly helps develop, you know, solutions. And, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I've got three good buddies. I've got a guy named Teddy in D.C. He's a really good friend of mine. You know, I've known my whole life. I've got two other good buddies, uh, James in Minneapolis and my buddy Mike in the west suburbs, Naperville. These three guys I've known my whole life. They live in different parts of the country, certainly different regions. But they all, we all acknowledge that there's serious problems going on, certainly in America, but more specifically black America, right? And we all have different views. And there's three different, you know, four different ways to come up with these solutions. But I think we all have, you know, a desire to see, you know, the quality of life be improved for our community. And I think, you know, that is what, you know, using our platforms is about talking to other people and just generating ideas and how to move forward. So, you know, that's why we uh, we connect and why we talk so often, because I think the same thing. I think that in order to make a difference, everyone must be involved. Right. So you can Mm -hmm. everybody, you're a citizen, you're responsible for what happens here and you you work on your world. I, I say those things you mentioned, but also. Obviously, before COVID, when people were going out, people were like, well, what can I do? Everybody can't run for office at a radio show. I said, talk to everyone. Do the opposite of what they say. When people say, don't talk about religion and politics, talk to everybody. But not necessarily about politics, but more just about what's going on. You get in the Uber, ask that guy, you know, how's, how's the uh, gig business? Ask him, you know, right. what is he doing with his kids? You know, whoa, what's going on? How do you cope in, in, in COVID? Whatever the case may be, conversation more and more. I hope your friend uh, doesn't live in Powderhorn Park, your friend from Minneapolis. But anyway, before we went to break, <laughs> we were talking about who's to blame and what's the solution. And, you know, I can stand by what I say, you know, there's enough stuff on record that you can read and hear. And I often say, you know, I think it's just, you know, long, low hanging fruit. And it's just laziness to say it's Lori Lightfoot's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. They ain't right. shoot anybody. They could do things to make the uh, process better, of course. But if you want to solve the problem, but if you want to solve the problem, go to the root and the root of the problem is not any politician. Right. And I just I just cringe every time somebody says it's poverty. I love the I mean, I love the fact that everybody thinks every criminal is Jean Valjean. AOC actually said, well, maybe if, if these people didn't lose their jobs from COVID, they wouldn't have to feel they had to steal to get bread. Really? People are stealing to get bread. Come on. So, you right, don't really, but, and, right. but the problem is, it's the same thing I said 
when I talked about the white wokeness and people say, um, what's the big deal? So we get the white liberal woman and this, that, or the other. I said, the problem is if we agree, given the left, their argument that racism is a problem is a, such a big problem that we have to work on it. How you solve that problem will be dictated by what you think the problem is. So do you think the problem is a 8% of the people who have uh, positions of power and a couple business owners? Or do you think the entire system right. and every person in it is racist? If you think the second thing, you're going to have, you're going to be more likely to do what we see in these cities, to go out on the street and, and, and take over a block, to throw a, right, a, a water bottle at a police right. officer, to, to, right. to, to do all that kind of stuff. Because the ends justify the means because everybody's bad. Right. So that's part of the problem. If we look at it like that, that's how you try to solve the problem. So look at crime the same way. If we think the police is the problem, then, of course, we we do a full court press on the police. If we think jobs are the problem, then we give people jobs. Right. But honestly, you ask the average person who says jobs, you pull them aside and say, "Okay, so you got guys out here who are 22 years old and they've never held a job or somebody who dropped out of high school, or you got a drug dealer who's been a drug dealer for, for 15 years and he's making decent money. Right. One, is he going to take the job? And if he does, you really think with the culture today where they don't respect authority and they listen to music that tells them that they're, they're the king, they're, they're the guy, that they're just going to go to job, they're going to show up to work every day and do what they're told? You're, you're, yeah, being, you're being childish. So that's not right. going to solve the problem. So you need to focus on the thing. Now, granted, here's the problem. I always say, and people roll their eyes and tell me I'm crazy. I say the solution's easy. Executing it is hard. Damn near impossible. But the solution's easy. The solution is focusing on the culture, right? So the solution is to shift the culture and have people be responsible for their own actions, help them along that way, and lock up the violent people. That's it. That's the list. So so I will agree with you on most of what you said, right? But I want to add this, right? So you have all that, and that's like a whole, you know, seven-layer salad, okay? And here's the problem, though. You still will have people say that it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of how do you slice up the pie and allocate resources, because they want to blame the government for all of the ills of society, right? They don't want to really be personally accountable. So when you look at what the government is able to do and what the government shall do, the government is supposed to create the universe for things to happen, right? They're supposed to create that space for things to happen. They're so starting at step two. Say, that is starting yeah, at but, step two. Right. But when they say, where are the resources? Where are the resources? In the CARES Act, <laughs> this place, we exactly. got Go ahead. billions of dollars, okay? So the resources, I know the city of Chicago just got $1.1 billion. I don't know what the state got, but the state, you know, significantly got more but the resources are here. So now it's a question of how you cut up the pie, right? Because that's what politics is. In, in okay. Some okay. I, I hear you. you. I still, I think you're starting, right. I still think you're starting at, at right. step two, but it's important. That's true. Right. But you're still right. starting at step two because people right. won't be ready when they get there. We've talked about that, but I got another question for yeah. you. Um, because my wonderful producer Macbeth types notes to me because we're not in the same city and he makes a good point. So you talk about what the government can do. So if poverty is so important, they had the war on poverty, they care about poor people, the right doesn't, the left does. So if as he says, poverty was a public health issue until they started shutting down businesses. So has the government's uh, reaction right. to COVID exacerbated the problem? And I would say yes. I would that, say there, definitely <laughs> yes. Right? Well, so we're going to have to leave that. I mean, I'm telling you, this stuff goes by really. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Make your last point. 
No, no, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But yes, you're right. So in a in a dramatic need for a response to this health crisis that we're in, government followed the scientists and shut everything down and created more poor Americans, right? Yes. <laughs> that's I don't mean to laugh at that, but it's that's just ironic. Yeah, it's exactly. ironic that that's what happened. And they did it. And here we are now. We're trying to rebound out of that. Are we, though? And, you know, yeah. we got states and cities that are taking steps back. we got area people who want to still, with people dying and people getting sick and not knowing what the next step is, they still playing the blame mm-hmm. game that I said doesn't solve anything. Well, it's Trump's fault, right. and, and it's the Trump supporters who wouldn't put masks on that's causing the surge. But the surge is also in right. California. So did, are, are, are the all the Trump supporters in California? California? You know, I, in, in New York, the they had hundreds right of people in the park. street. Right? Hey, in Charles, New York, the they had hundreds of people in the street. Yep. Well, we the have, we, we, Lincoln Park, and that's well, you're going to have to come back so we can keep you can tell me about Chicago and I can tell you about New York and we can do like a tale of two cities kind of thing. Uh, Patrick Bruce. Hey, that sounds like a hook. Thank you. Uh, and um, come back again. And thank you for coming on the Liberty Hour. It was a pleasure to be here and I look forward to our next appearance. And they see you, Macbeth. You have a great night. Roger that. Good night, America. You. And in the last right. uh, few seconds here, I want to go to uh, Chevis. Somebody wants to congratulate me. How do I say no? Chevis, welcome to the Liberty Hour. Is he gone? Chevis, you there? I guess oh, not. I guess he's gone. He wanted to congratulate I, I, me. Oh, that, wait. Uh, I heard something. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. There he then talk. <laughs> oh, look. Hey, that's that uh, janky broadcast thing y'all got going on. You've been going in and out the whole show. Yeah, but I did want to congratulate you, Charles, on the new radio slot. Uh, I wanted to say uh, that I feel like one of the workers around here for having to call in and talk to you on the radio. You see what you've started, Macbeth? Oh, I started this decade. We're coming up to the hard break. Thank you, Chavis. But, you know, now we got my workers calling in. Where my workers at? You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I'm your host, Charles Love, sitting in for that guy that was just mentioned. Sometimes yeah, we're not even going to say, say his name. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the man who will not be named. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Charles Love, follow me on Twitter, Love 3 Facebook, Charles Love. So I want to talk about what I think is probably the most pressing and the most important topic in the country today, probably more so just at this moment than the crime spike that people are talking about across the country. Education. What is going to happen with schools this fall? And it would be great to give you time to give us a call and tell me what you think. Let me know if you would send your kids back to school right now, if they decided to open the schools or if you wouldn't, why you would keep them home. And if you are planning to keep them home, what are you going to do? How are you going to cope and balance work and having the kids home all, all day and things of that nature. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. 312-642-5600. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think this is definitely uh, the most difficult decision these administrators have ever had to make. I don't envy them. I'm not 
discounting the um, problems that could be coming from it and the concerns that they have and what they're worried about. Right. What My problem is I think just from watching, reading articles and watching TV and seeing what they're talking about, that there's two sides to the problem, both big, and we're focusing 90 plus percent of our um, concerns and, and, and focus on one side and nothing on the other, really. And that is the virus, the concerns, how do we protect people from it, the teachers, the students and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, extremely important. But no one is really talking about the potential danger to the students for being locked out of the school. Right. Right. So there's got to be if, if you're solving a problem, you have to weigh both sides. So there's a heavy, heavy. What if a kid gets it and very little uh, what what do you do about the younger kids who are like kindergarten through fifth grade? Let's well, say. not only that, but I mean, I you know my kids going from third to fourth, mm-hmm. right? So I, I you know we're sort of in that early, yep, early uh, stages uh, that, but they couldn't keep track of these kids talking to these teachers, and I'm not going to blow out, you know, and some people know where I live in that, but the, our school district was not able. A lot of these kids were just a wall. They were right. probably living at grandma's house somewhere out of state if they were mm-hmm. smart. And so they didn't even show up, but they, I mean, they've passed these kids. Right. They've advanced them. Mm-hmm. So now what? Exactly. And how long do we do it? You oh. say until, until there's a cure or a vaccine. No, I think until the unions get what they want and then <laughs> you'll be back. And see that the union piece is, is important too. It's like, I don't understand only in the public sector. Do you only listen to the, do the, do the employees control what you do, right? They dictate their terms to you and by default to the parents and we allow them to do what's best in their minds, which will be what's best for them, which it should be, right? That's what the union's for. I'm not saying that I don't agree with public sector unions, but I understand their purpose and they're doing exactly what their mission statement says. Yeah, the problem lies in being able to donate directly to the people who make policy decisions that yeah, affect that's your an unions. Issue. That's, that's, that's the problem with the public sector unions. That's but, true. Because I can pay, I can pay, give you Millions of dollars get you elected, and now you owe me. Yeah. But look at it this way, though. I'm saying there are psychological concerns, right? There are concerns with, you know, third to fourth is, uh, you know, still young, but in that middle. But what about somebody, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where, where most of what they're learning outside of numbers and colors and such it's is social interaction. So, social interaction, yeah. and they don't have it. And keep in mind, you can't have it both ways. So you can't say it's too risky to go and to the school and be around other kids and then say, well, just use all these uh, other services and activities and, right. and supplement it with play dates and this, that, or the other. If it's too dangerous to go to school, then it should be too dangerous to have play dates well, and, the flip and go side to of the that, pool and go to the beach. So what are you going to be doing? To be devil's advocate a little bit, I've seen all of these. I, I think that's an overreaction for the high school age kids because I've seen all these high school age kids hanging out with each other all summer long, right. riding their bikes, sitting out front of Culver's, whatever. Right. So, th- so th- these kids are around. They're interacting. Right. The high school, the high school issue is virtually non-existent. I think. Right. Um, right. When you're talking about little kids, a lot of the teachers for little kids are older. They're closer to retirement age. I totally get that. Well, well, can we do the same thing we do with the grocery uh, attendants? We, we let them, we make them go to work. We make the uh, Amazon driver deliver. Well, but but no no no, they're they're not unionized. At yeah. least not oh, well, not to the point right, that right. CTU is. So 
But then some of the demands that the unions give off, they're like, they want, you know, Medicare for all. What, what does that Oh, they want rent pay. They want rent forgiveness. They want checks. On. Yes. Right. They're just saying that just because they don't want to go. And, they, and that's just a good way to get a no. That's correct. But let's, let's give the union a pass. Let's take the union out of it. Again, didn't we start the show talking about what liberty, how much liberty you're willing to give up? So I get it. They have deep pockets and they have a magnificent marketing plan. So what they do is they guilt you. I know teachers that say they're getting calls. They're like, I'm willing to go back. And they're like, don't you? What if you kill a kid? They're trying to guilt the teacher to say they won't go back. But then on the other side, they're guilting the parents. So even if you're like, you don't want to go back, every plan I've heard across the country, you know, from L.A., Atlanta and D.C., where they say 100 percent remote for everybody to hybrid plans to the ones who say we're going to limit the, the, the in-person learning for certain people. They all give you the stay at home option. So if you have that option, just stay at home. But they don't. But they want to guilt parents and make them think that you're bad parents for going back to school. We're going to pick up on this further in the next segment. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM five sixty. The answer. You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling three one two six four two fifty six hundred. Welcome back. You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Charles Love, sitting in for Sean Thompson. Doing we're his talking best about Halloween voice. We're talking about returning to school or not, or whatever the government tells us to do with our kids, because they have all control. That's the one thing about COVID; it has given them full control, and they're taking advantage mm, of it. And we, we sit back and say nothing. I don't know about that. Full. I think uh, I think it's just made it apparent that we had already given over full control. Because who was taking care of our kids during the day? True. Who's feeding granny? Who's keeping her in the, you know, nursing home? Who's paying for the Medicaid for your neighbor who can't afford? I mean, we've but, really just given up half the farm already. Right, that's true. I, I, you you won't hear an argument from me, but there's been a an element of brainwashing in there because not only is virtually no one pushing back. You get people who are like screaming, whatever. They, they just listen to whatever they say in the government. They say, yeah, because they said do this. You need to do this because that's what they said. If you need well, any other evidence of that, look for people who have been like, masks are good for you. Two weeks later, masks are bad for you. Two weeks right. later, masks are good for you. Just, just stop. You don't know. They don't know. Stop hearing. Right. And, and we, we need to take precautions and all that, but we need to know what's going on. And now with everything being so partisan, everything is just who, like before we tell the people the truth, let's find out who are to help and who it will hurt first. Yeah. What, right. what's, what's, what's your unbiased news source, Charles? You got to have one. Um, I don't I don't. And please guide, guide me in the right direction. I was hoping you had one. I don't have one at all. Well, me neither. So th- that's the problem. And we talked about that uh, with a couple of people a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was doing an interview and they were saying the same thing. I said, unfortunately, no one's got that. Most people only read headlines anyway. And now the only way you get the truth is you have to read, find newspapers or television programs from yeah. both sides. Take what they say. Google it. Find yeah. out if Cross it's true. Cross reference. Right. Yeah. Draw a flow chart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All that kind of stuff. Nobody's got time for that. So <laughs> they pick their side. They pick their guy. Say, this is the guy I trust the most. So whatever he says well, is true. No. It's also, it's not just a matter of time either. I think so many people are just looking to be affirmed. So many people just want that, that, you know, that comforting agreement. Somebody, please just tell me the same thing I already believe so I can be happy. Well, it's, uh, it's really disgusting. Right. Hold it there, though. See? 
This is what I say. We talk about the culture. We talk about what's happening. We tie it in with, with real examples. So specifically in New York, New York, the governor said, all right, based on these numbers, he looks at the numbers and said, this is my criteria to reopen. So, you know, that's the first hurdle. If the governor says, no, you got that big old fight. But if he says yes, it still goes down to the, the municipal, uh, each municipality as to what they want to do. Yeah. So the governor said, yeah, you know, as long as the threshold is 5% infection rate or lower, you can open. And if it creeps up a little bit, we'll monitor it. If it hits nine, then we'll close the schools. I'm not saying whether I agree with the numbers or disagree with the numbers, but he's got a plan. He's saying this is what makes sense. I've been listening to everybody, and this is what I should do. de Blasio then says, well, for my municipality, I don't think that's good enough, so I want the threshold to be 3%. Okay? You hear me, everybody? 3%. The, 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 the king of New York says 3%. So we have to follow what he says. But if that's the case, you know, I want to open. Then the unions say the things that say, they say in every big city. So... Cuomo's doing his daily things and de Blasio the same and they're doing their role in um, infection rate reports and they're doing Keep in mind, this is a big city and they're, they're big on the contact tracing. So if you test positive, they will go and test everybody you've been in contact with. You want to take a guess, Macbeth, at what the infection rate is was in New York yesterday? Uh, so this is what percent of, in, of the tests they did, of which the came back tests, positive? What percent is test positive? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say less than five percent. You get one more, and you're in the right direction, but make it a little closer. I would say two and a half. Point nine. <laughs> so it's not even a whole integer. Right. <laughs> and keep in mind, keep in mind. And that's a percentage. That's, right, right. That's but keep in mind, it gets, be, it gets better. Uh. Even the left. So ignore the right because they don't believe it's all a hoax. This oh, is yeah. foolishness that people Anti-science, say. yeah. Right. But even the left says that. The infection rate is far less for children than it is for adults. Well, that's because they're desperate to hold weirdos like Cuomo and the lady in, in Michigan and uh, yeah, right. Pritzker as as these heroes of somehow having made the hard decisions to right. send COVID patients into nursing homes because that took so much courage. <laughs> and and it just it's so weird. But here's my thing. I always my approach has always been to give them their argument because our argument is better. So let them walk themselves into the trap. So I've eliminated all conservatives. They're all hoaxers and they're crazy. I'm only talking about liberals in the left. You say science matters. You say if it's five percent or less, we're good. The mayor says, no, nah, I want a cushion. So three percent or left, less, we're good. They pull in the numbers. They're their numbers. Look it up. Google it. Google de Blasio shocked about infection rate. He's, he's read it on air saying he was shocked by the numbers. This was three days ago, and it was 1.08 that day. And it's been consistently less than one and a quarter, and it's going down every day. Well, do you so remember that, when he was shocked that people were getting COVID at home? <laughs> he was also shocked at yeah, the fact the that transmissions were go happening at home. It's like, yeah, yes, yes, everybody in one small space. That was Cuomo, yes, though. That's, that's right. Yeah, 67 to people. I don't know how this happened, but everybody never left the house. Yeah. How that happened? Oh, magic. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. So using their own logic and their own guidelines, according to them, he's far beneath the 3% threshold he wants to open the schools. I guarantee you, so Cuomo's upset because he asked all the um, cities to give them their their open reopening plans, 700. He got 650. 50 hasn't uh, turned theirs in yet. New York City's one of them. And I guarantee you, when it comes out in the next couple of days, it's going to be, well, we still don't think it's safe enough to open. Let's do one day. Oh, if one day, you might as well do none. So stick with us. We'll talk about this more on the other side. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. 
These are people of the land, the common clay. You know, morons. This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM 560, The Answer. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour, you numbskulls. This is Sean. How was my Sean impersonation? You big dummy. You big. I, I want my daddy's records. Welcome to the Liberty Hour. This is Charles Love sitting in for Sean Thompson. And we were uh, before the break talking about schools, how they should be open and, you know, how the lemmings just say whatever the government says is OK. And or not, the media. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. six on one hand. Aren't they armed? It depends <laughs> on the topic. It really does. <laughs> That's true. Um, and you know, and that's, that brought us to another thing. We were talking about infection rates in New York and who believe, which side believes science and this, that, or the other. And, you know, I forgot about, so made I, up. right. So it's <laughs> funny. I was, I was doing this thing. And part of my thing is how you mentioned the media, how they, they get to make the King and, and Kingmaker and they get to decide who's right and who's wrong. And they were talking about. Fauci and how, you know, he breaks from the president and he's right and he's wrong and he's always been sounding the alarm. And, I and you know, they got the snoops where they fact check stuff and they yep. fact check. They said, did he ever say that it wasn't a problem? They said it's, it's a mixture. And they say on February such and such, he said that right now it's not that bad, but it could make a turn. And this said, which is true. He did say, right. But. They they were being disingenuous in the fact that they didn't go far enough back and dig right. up all the clips because he also said this. Help me out, Macbeth. Um, bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Well, I, you know, obviously you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing. But this is not a major threat for the people in the United States, and this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. Now you go Google that and see if that was really him because the, the fact checkers said he never said that because they went back to, I don't know, four days after he said that and pulled a different clip, but I don't, I don't, I'm not knocking him. I mean, this is a complicated thing. That's not my issue. My issue is he gets it wrong. You know, he just learned more and it developed over time and he was wrong. That's fair. That's the way anybody should approach it. Yep. But the doctors who were on TV the other day are quacks. Right? The, 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 the black doctor who spoke out, come on, she got a medical degree in Nigeria. <laughs> and they can spin that narrative whatever way they want to. So I would say what he said. He said, listen to the CDC, follow their guidelines, take the precautions, and move on with life. So that's what you need to do about the schools. You get you want them to wear masks and you want the, the teachers to, who are older and vulnerable to stay at home. And you want uh, and, and let's be real. Some of these people buy into what they hear. Right. So they're going to self-select some of the parents who say you crazy right wingers want to go to school. So the schools will just be filled with conservative kids and all the other kids will sit at home. Wouldn't that be ironic if there was a massive homeschooling push by leftists? That is funny because they were trying to ban it in California. Can you right? Can you can you think of anyone less motivated long term to educate children than than leftists? That's true. I That's mean, true. they're just going to give up. And if people were smart and they were armed with education, they would go to them and say, "That's fine. We're for it. Right. You know, it keeps us from being indoctrinated." But you know, you said this, like we did with Fauci. This is what you said in California, here, there, no, where everywhere else. So, man, this time goes by fast. How much I got? Because I don't uh, have a clock. You got one minute. I got enough time to thank you all, tell you if you are 
avid and uh, followers of Sean to keep listening. Sean, go go find him on Twitter. He'll tell you to keep listening to me. He's coming back. And if you're new, stick with me. You're going to uh, really enjoy my perspective. And I say that because, you know, I like my perspective. And you follow me on Facebook, yeah. Facebook, Charles Love, and on Twitter at CDouglasLove3. Um, check out the City Journal articles that I post. And, you know, catch me when I'm on Newsmax or Fox or wherever I am from my closet because we can't leave the house. This has been fun, Macbeth. Likewise. It's been a while. I Look hope to see to you at some point. We haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, yeah. why can't I get the stream? Let's get a camera in here. There's no camera in here, by the way. I'm looking around for one. But maybe I can rig one up by next Sunday. I'll be back <laughs> next Sunday, 7 to 9 Central, 8 to 10. See, I went through the whole show. Didn't do it on air because you, you got me for saying the time wrong. You've been listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. I have to go home. I have to go home. I have to go home.